Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. TC Live with you on a Wednesday evening in Monte Carlo. Second round is now complete. All the seeds have played at least once. The picturesque shores of the Med masking the pain of this two-month clay court odyssey that is in full gear now. Coming up on the show is Daniil Medvedev sandbagging on the dirt. The self-proclaimed hardcourt specialist is looking awfully good on the clay. Can the same be said for Taylor Fritz? The number one American missed most of the clay last year. Could he be poised to make a run this year? And you've seen what the best players in the world do once they take the court, but what are their secrets before and after? We go behind the scenes to investigate as we welcome you to this Wednesday edition of Tennis Channel Live. So glad that you're with us as we roll through Monte Carlo's main draw with Chris Eubanks here in the studio and the Hall of Famer Andy Roddick at the home office. Man, we had you in person in Indian Wells. We thought you might make it a regular thing. We even put you in the Brady Bunch commentators photo this week and, and you're still back home. We can only go so far, Brent. Uh, you look short next to Chris Eubanks. I'll tell you that, though. Yeah, no, I do. But look, see, there, there you are in the photo. And But as we look closer, apparently your photo session with Fred Mullane, um, you look like you're very serious. You look like you're at the library studying. I, I am always very serious, Brett. You can tell by the tone of my voice. <laughs> Banks, I, I don't want to get too specific. I don't think you've had a photo session with uh, Fred yet, but it, your photo looks like, oh, wait, did we, did we replace it? Where, where's, where's the Banks photo? There's Andy. Okay. That's good. He found a tie. No, I think mine is one Great. from one of my first years on tour. We've got to find a way to update that. Thing. Yours it's looks uh... like somebody just kicked your dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll get, we'll get a photo. So you've deserved one top 100. You get your own photo. So there he is. That's... Uh, Oof. Yikes. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we'll do something better for that. Don't you worry. That's got to go. Okay. Well, well Fred, <laughs> Chris needs a photo session. He's earned one. Let us dispense with the uh, perfunctories and get right to the highlights from Monte Carlo on this day, starting with Daniil Medvedev, who says he's a clay court specialist. We're not so sure anymore, taking on Lorenzo Sinego as he looks for his 30th win of the year. And, Andy, he didn't look like a hard court specialist today. Yeah, confidence normally tends to trend well over surfaces. This is not going to be his best surface. Gets a little help from Sinego. This is an easy pass. Guesses the right way. Stick save at 30 all. Getting some momentum early there for Daniil Medvedev. Uh, listen, let, let, let's not turn him into a clay court specialist this quickly, but I do like him coming forward. I don't think he can hang back and play the usual cat and mouse that is used to. Sinego helping out a little bit again. His movement is not even close to as good as it is in a hard court. But his ability to create consistency, he's still not going to miss a lot of balls. Uh, Sinego making a habit of helping him out today. So a little bit of a deceiving scoreline. It was a combination of uh, Daniil keeping the confidence going and Sinego maybe not uh, giving his best stuff. 
uh, out there today, but, but he's moving on, and the only way to get it better is to get reps. All right, wins 27 out of 30 on his first serve today, 13 out of 17 at net as well. So that's win number 30 on the year for Medvedev, 25 out of his last 26, dating back to the third round of the Australian Open when he lost to Sebi Korda. Just one of his 32 career finals so far has come on clay. Perhaps this is the week for number two. I always struggle on clay. It's, every match is a struggle, but I did have some good matches on clay. Uh, where still, as I say, I struggle because, I mean, after the match, uh, Mark asked me, uh, so you seem to find your rhythm. I was like, there is no rhythm on clay. Every bounce is a bad bounce. And even when it's a good bounce, you were expecting a bad bounce. So you cannot uh, get your rhythm, but I managed to play good against a very strong player on clay. Lorenzo is very strong on clay, I think. Uh, here in Monte Carlo, there is uh, the crowd a lot of Italians, but a lot of French also, so it was, uh, was fun to play, and I'm happy to, to win such a tough opponent. I think we may need to redefine the term struggling on clay. He's talking about bad bounces. These are the things that every player gets. Is, is he short-selling himself on this surface? Yeah, I think to some degree it's a bit of taking some of the pressure off of him. Everybody knows you can look at, you don't ascend to number one in the world without great results on all surfaces. Daniil Medvedev, yes, clay may not be his favorite surface, but he finds ways to win. He finds ways to make things complicated. One thing that I thought was really interesting today, he varied up a lot of different, he tried a lot of different service positions, yeah. stood really wide in the deuce side, almost as if he's experimenting a little bit to try to find what's going to work throughout this clay court season. Decided to step inside the baseline on a a lot of second serve returns on the ad side, which is something we're not used to seeing. I saw him doing Miami. It sent me all over the place. I didn't know how to serve him on second serves afterwards. So I think he's testing things out. He's trying to see what's going to work. For him to do that in his first round of his first match on the clay court season, I think it shows that he's more than confident on clay. What do you think, Andy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's comparing. Uh, he's against his own shadow here, right? It's like he, him saying in Indian Wells, he doesn't like the surface and he's bad on it. Well, a lot of players on tour would like to be so bad on it that, that make final of a Masters 1000. Similar to Clay, he says he's so bad on it. He made the quarters of the French Open last year. Exactly. So I think, a ce I think his ceiling is much, much, much lower on, on Clay. I don't think he's a contender to win a Monte Carlo, to win uh, a Roland Garros. Does that mean he can't be effective at all on the surface? Absolutely not. The guy can serve 135. He doesn't make mistakes. Last I checked, you still have to put the ball inside the lines uh, on a clay court. His movement uh, is not nearly as good. He can't kind of uh, hang back against big guys like Chris Eubanks and play the middle, keep the ball down. He's going to have to come in a little bit more, cut off the angles uh, a little bit more on clay because he cannot rely on that uh, movement out of the quarters like uh, like he can uh, on hard courts. But, you know, maybe he's not two or, two or three in the world uh, on, on, on clay like he is on a hard court. But listen, you can make the case that the guy's a top 30, top 40 uh, player in the world on clay still. All right. Interesting round of 16 match for him tomorrow against Zverev. We'll preview that a little bit later in the show. But let's move on to Kasper Ruud. Pretty pedestrian start to the year for Ruud. Just five match wins in his first six tournaments. But he turned that around last week. Got to the clay in Estoril, won the title, beat Ketsmanovic, the 10th title for him. Today, got Van de Zanskulp. Yeah, and this matchup was going to consist of two of the biggest and best forehands on tour. Two guys who love to dictate using the forehand. You see Casper going after the back of Botic Van de Zanskulp, drawing the air. Was able to get on top in the first set, but Botic did a good job rebounding. Got up a break in the second set, dictating with that forehand, especially out of the ad side. And then you see the feel that we're going to see a lot of during this play court season, especially by players who love to dictate using the forehand side. Rude having to save a set point here against Botic as he's not able to come up with the pass. You can see the look on his face. 
not happy with that. And then Casper able to find his form, play a very, very strong tiebreaker in order to make this a pretty comprehensive straight sets win against both the Bundes and Schlitz. Very well pronounced. This is also a little revenge for Rude, who lost to Botic in Miami two weeks ago after leading by a break in the third set. So he wins this one, closes it out. He gets Struff in round three. Let's go to the second match on court Renier today. Yannick Sinner, first match since the Miami final loss to Medvedev, taking on Diego Schwartzman. Very excited to see this matchup. Schwartzman's been a little bit low on confidence so far this year. Sinner, I'm always excited to see him play, but especially on the clay. He's tall, he moves exceptionally well out of the corner, sliding off the right and the left leg. But today, it just didn't seem that Diego Schwartzman had it. We weren't really certain what was going on in the beginning of the match. Started to complain about a pain. He seemed to be in the left shoulder. Called out the trainer, tried to get a little bit of treatment, but honestly, it just wasn't enough today. Center hitting so big from the ground. Schwartzman realizing this is the first week of what is going to be a long play court season. Pulls the ripcord down 3-1 in the second. Hopefully, he's able to rest and recover and get back to Frischman. We hope so. Center converted all four of his break points, dropped just five points on serve before Schwartzman pulled the plug in 42 minutes. How about Taylor Fritz, top-ranked American, taking on the former Monte Carlo champion Andy Stanbavrinka? And you see Taylor hit jump shots, you're like, no, 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 okay, yes, 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 yes. Uh, you don't want to get into that cat and mouse too often uh, if you're Taylor Fritz against uh, a clay veteran like like a Stan Wawrinka, but Stan saving uh, set point here. Uh, eat, listen, the guy knows how to play on, on dirty stuff. Uh, Taylor's still getting used to it, but even three-time Grand Slam winners get a little tight and can push the forehand halfway up the net. That is why we play him. That is why this is the ultimate reality show. Taylor resets the deck, and listen, if it's creating speed off of a slow ball like this, no one in the world does it better than Taylor Fritz right now. That will translate to any surface. It looks like he's moving a lot better on the clay. He's not doing kind of the, the hop jump step right there after a slid into it. Uh, that one was acrobatic. Sneaks out the first set. You have to create momentum when you make the surface switch. Taylor really built on that momentum here. And again, from a dead ball, creating speed, Taylor Fritz is the top of the top uh, in the world right now. Played a great second set. I'm encouraged by this result. It looked like he got away with the first set and really took advantage there in the second. Faced five break points in the match, saved them all. Picks up his 25th career clay court win. So here's the bottom half of the draw. He gets Yuri Lahechka next, the 21-year-old Czech who is uh, rapidly becoming one of the most dangerous young players on tour. Possible matchup with Sitsipas if he gets through that. Here's Taylor talking about that crucial first set breaker today. That was huge to get through that. I feel like both of us had, had chances. You know, I felt like I was in some service games in the beginning of the set, and then he had some chances to break me at the end of the set, and then, you know, the tiebreaker was pretty back and forth, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to get through that one. So he does get through it. Taylor, as you may remember, did not play Madrid or Rome last year. He had a foot injury and ended up missing about a month of time leading up to Roland Garros, which means, Chris, in theory, he's got some room here to add some points to his ranking. He's already 10 in the world. Is Taylor capable of making a little run at the two Masters 1000 Madrid and Rome on clay? 1,000%, especially in Madrid. I think Andy highlighted the biggest point 
as to why I say that. His ability to create pace on dead balls, that's something that has to come into play on the clay courts. Players are going to defend. They're going to use squash shots. They're going to try to float balls deep to make you have to hurt them, giving themselves so much room behind the baseline. Taylor Fritz is one of the few players in the world who can produce enough power off of those balls to still hurt players who are defending side to side. Carlos Alcaraz can do it. Taylor Fritz can do it, especially off the forehand side. And I think that bodes well for a successful clay court season, especially at a tournament like Madrid, where the conditions are going to be quick. Monte Carlo is quick, so I look forward to seeing how he progresses this week. And Andy, you pointed to Taylor's movement improving on the clay. It's not something that necessarily comes natural to American players early in their careers. You're seeing a more fluid movement from him on the red stuff now? Yeah, I mean, even just getting out of the corners, it still looks a little awkward, and it's not going to be his best surface, right? Getting, I, I was someone who was a dumpster fire of movement on, on the red clay. But last year, even in Monte Carlo, I remember him going over and really struggling against a local wild card first round. He would get in the back end corner. And he would kind of take that little jump step hop thing after, like, not completing the slide. And today he was actually able to get a full slide, you know, into a recovery step uh, out of the corners. Uh, for me, one of the things to look at is his appetite for risk on the return. Obviously, goes after it a little bit more on the faster surfaces. Is he going to take those cuts to create opportunities, or is he going to try to give himself more time and then create that speed that Chris just mentioned? So a little bit of a, a change in strategy, not so much from the baseline, because he could hit through uh, pretty much any surface. He, you know, Guys who can create speed actually play pretty well on slower surfaces, but when does he take that, and how does he create the opportunities when he's not neutral? We should remind ourselves that Taylor did make the quarterfinals in Monte Carlo a year ago. First American to get that far in this tournament in 15 years. We've got a lot to get to on this Wednesday TC Live. Some more key highlights from day four. And the only thing bigger in Monte Carlo than this tennis tournament is the F1 race. Would Novak Djokovic be talking strategy with George Russell? We'll eavesdrop a little when we come back. Back on TC Live, and a reminder that Tennis.com is the best way to keep up with everything happening in the clay court season. Check it out today for live scores, stats, results, follow the draws, get easy access to full match replays on TennisChannel.com. Just download the app or visit the website to get the full clay court experience. Well, it's not just Berrettini's birthday, it's Tennis Channel's 20th birthday, and time to say happy, happy. I love the Tennis Channel coverage because I'm a complete nerd about tennis. I love watching the early rounds. I love watching the finals. I like to see the momentum throughout the week build. I obviously love all the commentators and hearing what they have to say, digging into the matches and how the, the ebbs and flows, why a match is changing, uh, you know, why it's different from the first set to the second set. So most days I actually have Tennis Channel on in my main room. I'm not going to be sitting there watching it for eight hours, but while I'm working or moving from room to room, I'll see who's winning. If something catches my eye and I'm intrigued by a certain player, I might sit and watch for a few minutes. Or if a match really intrigues me, I'll sit and, and watch the end of it. But I think with Tennis Channel, you'll see that most tennis fans will have it, turn it on in the morning and turn it off right before they go to sleep. And tennis clubs will have it on 24-7 as well. Happy 20th birthday, Tennis Channel. To your tennis life, great to hear from Tracy. And you'll see Tracy and Pam Schreiber 
her fellow Hall of Famer this Friday and Saturday on Tennis Channel, calling the action at the Billie Jean King Cup tie from Delray Beach's Team USA takes on the Austrians. Don't miss that beginning Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Still more to come on the show, including the latest step in the comeback for Sasha Zverev. How close to 100% is he? Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. All right, back on TC Live, Monte Carlo week is a perfect week to go double screen on the action. We've got our slate of matches on Tennis Channel, plus these among the matches you'll see on the Valley's Regional Sports Networks and T2 on your Samsung device. Jan Michael Gamble, Lee Shiras will have you covered tomorrow with these and more starting at 8 a.m. Eastern as we head back to the action. Sasha Zverev continuing his comeback against Roberto Bautista Agut, and Andy looked very good today. Yeah, and on record saying this is his most natural surface, which I thought was a little bit surprising. But what he wasn't doing early in the year was finding a way to pull the trigger up the lines and lead, lead guys up the line. That was vintage Sasa Vera. Even off a close stance back and able to create speed and direction, that was not the best approach shot. But luckily, it wasn't the best passing shot either. Able to get that drop volley down to secure... Uh, the break by a hold and right here able to get that front foot forward even on a return uh, Impressive for Sasha Zverev. Uh, didn't like that grimace when he was kind of pulled up there a little bit at the end But getting forward getting inside the court directing the backhand we saw that uh, Time after time after time today and then serving the match out with some comfort not struggling to get to the finish line This was a great performance for Sasha Zverev in his comeback Yeah, this is the only one of the nine Masters 1000s where he hasn't at least made the semifinals So now two matches away from completing the box set there the match you are watching before TC live Holger Ruda Dominic team Paul Anacom loves preaching about confidence, clarity, and commitment. And Holger Runa exhibited all of that today. He played very well, played well within himself, didn't try to force the issue. Most importantly, I was really pleased with his emotional maturity today. There were a few moments which you could have seen Holger Runa maybe a year ago start to freak out and panic a little bit. He did none of that today. Played some exceptional ball. Had a little bit of an incident today in which he made contact with the line judge inadvertently she wasn't able to continue she was able to be switched out so they could continue the flow of the match you see it there on the squash shot that's what's going to happen a lot on the clay if these courts aren't big enough for these players who can defend so well from so deep back behind but Holger rebounded exceptionally well played some big time ball when he needed it you got to see some flashes of Dominic team and what he could be but today it just wasn't enough to overcome the young dame uh, we checked on the status of that lines person to see how her wrist is doing. We're waiting for an update, but as Chris said, she was not able to return. I, they still have the tarp back there. Remember when Dauphin slipped on the tarp and wrenched his ankle? These, these courts either have to get bigger or they got to move all the stuff and the people out of the way. <laughs> something has to give, but today Holder very pleased with his performance. He's going to be okay with all of the tarps and everything on that center court in Monte Carlo. All right, so here is the draw, top half. The first thing that stands out to me is Djokovic taking on Musetti in his second match back 
Andy, remember Musetti beat Carlos Alcaraz on clay last year in Hamburg. Is this a danger match for Novak so soon in his comeback? Uh, well, one, I, I, I can confidently say I would have gotten as many games off of Musetti today as his opponent did, too. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is, he lost 0-0 is not a scoreline you see very often in professional tennis. Uh, that's going to take a while to get over. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is a real test. Djokovic, uh, by his own admission, was one of the ugly match uh, in his first round. Uh, didn't play great in Monte Carlo last year. Musetti up two sets and uh, kind of uh, maybe pulled a heart muscle a little bit in that Roland Garros uh, match a couple of years ago where he pulled the ripcord um, when it wasn't going his way. But this is a big test. Musetti, uh, even more importantly than him proving to us that he can get through some people he's supposed to beat on clay, he played great during the indoor season last year, which mm -hmm. I think is a big step up. So a real, real, real early test here for Djokovic. Right, let's check the social net for this Wednesday, and we'll stay on the Djokovic theme. This is not his pre-match routine. This is not his off-day routine. This was his post-match routine after beating Gakoff yesterday. Andy, you do a lot of post-match bench pressing in your day? I, uh, no, I, I didn't. I did a lot of post-match re recovery. Uh, I, I, now, is Ivan Izovich doing more work than it looks like here? Is, is that even, <laughs> it's not Ivan Izovich. Well, whoever the hell the guy is in the blue T-shirt, is he doing all the reps? Like, I, it, Is Novak getting a little too, too much help? Uh, listen, this guy's a pro. Uh, he knows his routine, is diligent about his routine. You see him execute it every day. That's what greatness looks like. Did, do you bench press post-match? No, bench but I, I do know some players who will use a post-match lift as a way of a cool down. So it's not that uncommon, but, you know, it's, it's funny to see. Bench press as a cool down. Are you even speaking English? I don't understand the words that he's saying <laughs> as a cool down. Uh, after his workout, by the way, uh, Djokovic spent some time with that man. That's George Russell, the F1 Mercedes driver. We're just about five weeks away from the F1 race in Monte Carlo. And we were able to eavesdrop on a little bit of their conversation down at court level. And apparently George doesn't understand tennis scheduling just the way many of us don't. Take a listen. What I find so difficult for you guys is, especially when you play second or third yeah. or fourth, you never know the timing exactly. and the preparation exactly. beforehand. Exactly. exactly. It's challenging. And today I waited like maybe an hour and a half or two hours more than, than, I, than I expected, you know? So then you're like, should I be warming up or, or cooling down? And, you know, that makes you a little bit anxious. It's got to be so weird for a race car drive. The race starts at noon. This we know. You guys don't ever know when you're going to start, you know, unless you're first on. That's one of the hardest things to explain to a lot of my friends who want to come and support tennis matches. If you're not first on or you're not the premier night match with a not before time, it's really tough to tell somebody I'm third after 11, which means it could be three or it could be six. If it rains, it could be seven or it could be four. We don't really know if there's a retirement. So many factors that go into it's good to see that we're not the only ones confused as we try to simplify the, the <laughs> timing of this sport. People just don't understand, Andy, yeah. if, if they're not part of this. Yeah. The, the, the part that we didn't hear there, actually, I, I heard uh, some, some hidden uh, voiceover stuff uh, from that conversation before where George Russell was trying to explain to Novak that cool down is just a fancy way of saying more work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Novak would know, and I guess George Russell would know. He could be the number one at Mercedes before too long. Quick reminder of how you can... Lewis is still the number one. We all know that. 5 a.m. Eastern for Monte Carlo coverage on Tennis Channel. Bally's picks it up at 8 a.m. Another edition of TC Live with Andy and Chris at 1 Eastern. And encore coverage all day and all night back on TC Live with a hot shot in just a moment. Hot shot of the day comes courtesy of Casper Rude, Andy. 
Yeah, and this one feels like a little bit of a cumulative effect, Habs, and I'm not sure I would like. Come back. Little lob. Nice. Bodic. Ain't even going to try the last name. Uh, <laughs> but right here, Root. Wait. When you have to defend that forehand with those RPMs, it really does open up uh, a lane for a drop shot. You don't see many clean winners uh, on a drop shot that are hit cross court and kind of high. This is called respect. So right here, you check step, no chance because you still have to protect against the rune forehand. That's a better angle. See, we start with that one. I'm a little more enthused, Brett, gotta be honest. <laughs> don't blame the editor. They were working very hard today to put this together for you. That's your. Hot shot of the day. Casper Rude looks better in replay than he did live. Here are our feature matches tomorrow starting <laughs> at 5 a.m. Eastern. Meeting number four between Sinner and Hercotch. Sitsipas continues his title defense against Nicholas Jerry of Chile. And Novak will be tested by the Italian one-hander Lorenzo Musetti. Our team on the ground is Danny Kleppinger and Prakash Amitraj. They have a preview. All right, Brett, back at our FanDuel desk. P, good friends, Andre Rublev, Karen Hachinov, but they are stepping into battle. How do you think it's going to go? Well, they're both playing great tennis here. Just spending a little bit of time with both of them, it seems like Hachinov is just a little bit more confident at this stage. He, even though he's been playing so well on hard court, he totally doesn't mind the shift to clay. He's played well on clay before. Big hitting affair. I, I think that serve of Hachinov is going to stand him well, and I actually like Hachinov to be able to get the win. It's going to be an exciting round of 16 action here on Thursday in Monaco. And we'll have it for you starting at 5 a.m. Eastern. Andy Roddick's pick of the day. You've got Sinner over Hercotch. Tell us why. Uh, well, only based on ranking form and surface. Uh, those three things are the only thing I'm basing it on at all. Um, hey, listen, if I had to go with the odds, it would make it, uh, I think, more of a, an interesting pick. But if I get straight up, I am taking Sinner. Okay. That's, uh, I don't know if those are 10 Chanda bucks if they still count while she's out of the office. But anyway, we thank Andy for making the pick. Let's preview a couple of key matches tomorrow. We'll start with Medvedev Zverev. They have played an awful lot. Obviously, Zverev is the more comfortable customer on the clay. But he's the one that's still coming back from injury. In your opinion, who's the favorite in this match? I think Zverev's the favorite. And I think the showing that he had today against Roberto Bautista Agu with a 4-4 four and four wind over one of the toughest outs on tour shows that he's finding his form on clay. I agree with Andy. I think clay is his best service. We know that he made the final of the U.S. Open in 2020 falling to Dominic Team, But there's something about the dirt. We saw some of the match last year against Rafa Nadal when he injured his ankle. He was playing, as he said, some of the best tennis of his career. I think he's going to come out on top tomorrow against Daniel Medvedev. Chris told me yesterday, Andy, that he thinks Zverev is, is about 90% of his full strength just from the eyeball test. What does he look like to you? Getting better. Um, you know, he's still going to have those peaks and valleys. I thought he looked very good at Indian Wells where he almost beat uh, yeah, Medvedev there. Um, average result in Miami, but then was able to, to, to rebound uh, and play pretty well uh, today. I think uh, he's going to be a little bit more comfortable on clay. The rush decision-making of a comeback isn't as uh, apparent. He's going to have plenty of time to hit the ball uh, against Medvedev on clay. I just like his movement uh, a lot better than, than Daniil's, and I think uh, Daniil <laughs> isn't exactly... Uh, confidence often manifests itself in belief, and I, I don't know, uh, judging by his own interviews, I don't know that the belief system is quite there for Daniil on the, on the dirty stuff. Right, well, they just played at Indian Wells. That obviously wasn't clay, but it was a slow hardcourt, and Medvedev won that 7-5 in the third. It's going to do it for us on this Wednesday for Chris and Andy and our crews around the world. I'm Brett. We'll see you tomorrow for day five with slightly smaller rackets than that in Monte Carlo.